morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll continue. We left off. Tractate Kiddushin, the first chapter, the bottom on page 30. B, the last line. We dedicate this pastor for Shleim. We sold the Nachman, Ben Yechev, Shifra, Terobas Miriam. Zakta Eligigumar, Tanya, learn the Brais, Rebbe Yem, Kali, we do it from Shavu It's revealed in front of the one who said and who spoke, and the world came into being in front of Hashem. Shabem Machabe, Simi Yesimav. A son respects his mother more than his father. Why? Because she is, this is her, with his, with a word, she's gentle, she's soft. Because naturally, instinctively, you would respect your mother for more than your father. So he says you have to respect your father just like you respect your mother. It's also revealed in front of the one who spoke and the world came into being. That the son is more fearful of his father, is stern and authority figure more than the mother the father is the mind the mother is the heart so so you respect the mother more but you fear in awe of the of the father because he teaches him and he makes sure that he goes in the right path so he's disciplined disciplinarian authoritarian and therefore, he's more afraid of his father than his mother. So that's what the fear of the fear of Makkosh Baruch Hu, the fear of Hashem, said in the Torah: "Meira av, lemeira, lemeira, lemeira aim, lemeira av." In the beginning of Parshas Kedoshim, the pasuk says that uh, you should as av as mich as imach as avich atira. That you have to first he mentions the mother and then and then the father. Because naturally you would fear the father for more. So Hashem is telling us that you have to fear your mother just like you fear your father. When a person causes pain to his mother, to his father and his mother, Hashem says it's good that I don't live in their midst. Because it says, if you honor your parents, Nashem lives there. But if you don't honor, if you disrespect your parents, Nashem is not present. That's why he said, Hashem says, it's good that I don't live here. I'm not here. Because then you would cause me pain. If you sin in private, it's as if you're pushing away the Shekhinah. Because you're saying that Hashem doesn't know. Hashem doesn't see. You think you're in private alone. Right? You wouldn't sin if someone was in the room with you. Someone was watching you. But, but Hashem, Hashem is... Uh, you're dismissing Hashem. Hashem's reality. Hashem's presence. Hashem says, I am all over. The heavens are my throne, but the earth is my footstool. So it's like you're pushing away. Hashem says, I'm present. You're pushing away Hashem. No, Hashem is not here. I'm alone. I'm private. No one knows what I'm doing, what I'm thinking. Um, Not a lot to walk. Four cubits. 
a little more than six feet, became a skufa, like with a erect posture, so erect with an expression of arrogance. And it says, Hashem's honor and glory fills all the world. So if you, like you're in the presence of the king and you're walking with such haughtiness and such arrogance, you're pushing away Hashem. You know, you're so rigid, stiff-necked, rigid. This is who I am. I'm not changing and I'm proud of myself. You're standing in front of Hashem, a little humility, a little openness to change. He wouldn't walk. Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, wouldn't walk four cubits with uncovered, with his head uncovered, without a yarmulke. The shechina is above my head, and it's inappropriate that I should walk around bareheaded. Not simple, because here it would seem that covering your head is only a Hasidic thing. He, he praised himself. He was proud. He said that the mother is praising him, that he did something special. If it's an obligation, you're not allowed to walk without a yamaka. Why are you praising Huna Rebbe Shul? No one is allowed to walk without a yamaka. What's the big deal? So from this, many derive, many places can say, you see clearly how logically there's no prohibition in going without a yamaka. It's only, it's only Rav Huna praise that he never walked without a yamaka. Everyone would agree that in a shul, you can't go into a shul without a yamaka or say a blessing of Shashem's name. But, but, uh, but to walk with a yamaka, many can say, from here is a proof that there's, there's no halachic obligation. Others say, no, every, of course you're obligated. It's halacha. The Gemara was praising him because beyond the yamaka, he wore a hat, or he covered his whole head with the talus. That he went the extra measure. Alter Rebbe says in Shulchan Aruch that today, where everyone wears a yarmulke, it's a question of tznius. Walking with walking bareheaded, the question of tznius. The other question is why only four amas? Hashem is present everywhere. Even if I walk less than six cubits, uh, four cubits, six feet, uh, what? is he right? He's coming to say that not only if you're walking outside, even if you're in the house, you're taking a step, uh, you're walking in the house. A few, uh, six feet. Never, even then, he never would walk without uh, without uh, his head covered. Shaul ben Almonacha, the son of a widow, he was orphaned from his father. Asked Shabbalezer, Aboim, Hashkeni Mai, If my father. If my father tells me I should give him water, and my mother tells us to give him water, who, who do I listen to? He said you have to honor both your father and your mother. So what if they give contradictory directives? Who do, who do I honor first? First, your father comes first. Leave aside the honor of your mother and take care of the honor of your father. Why? Because you and your mother are obligated to honor your father. She is obligated to honor her husband. He, the husband also has to honor his wife, but she has to honor him even more. So then he went in front of Yeshua and he asked the same question. He answered the same answer Rabbi Lezer gave. What if 
my mother was divorced. What happens then? Here you're telling me the reasoning you're giving me is because she's also obligated to honor her husband. What if he's no longer a husband? To have a mother and a father, they're divorced. Who do I honor first? Amalei, he said, Abishur said to I see from the here, from your brows, between your eyebrows, or on the, your eyelashes, your eyebrows. Really, you have no father because you cried so much on the death of your father that uh, your eyebrows fell out. So therefore, you're not asking me a practical question. You're asking me a theoretical question. You don't have a father. So therefore, Place water in a pail. It's a good question you're asking, but I can see it's a theoretical question. Unfortunately, it's not a practical question. And the answer to your question is you have to treat them equally. In this case, the father doesn't get precedence. So what do you do? Place between them a water in a bucket, in a safe. And 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 uh, make a cookery coup. Call to them, <laughs> let them come and drink, and whoever uh, let them take themselves. So practically, either place it in between them. So you're giving them both simultaneously, or some say give it to the first one, the first one that's closer to you, and uh, other others say that it's, it's your choice then then it's your choice whoever whoever's your favorite <laughs> you like your father better you like your mother better it's you up to you like if I can only do one first and the other then it's up to you the great one said he expounded on the door at the house of the Nazi, of the president. What does the Pasuk mean? It says in Tillim. That all the kings of the world are going to praise you, Hashem. Because they heard the words of your mouth. It doesn't say the single utterance. In the plural, many utterances. What did they hear? When they first, when they heard the first two commandments, two of the first two of the Ten Commandments, said, "Ah, Hashem is dismissing all other idols. Don't worship any other idols. I am the only God. So he's looking out for himself." What else is news? Even then, in the fifth commandment, Hashem says, Honor your mother and your father. Honor your father and your mother. He said, Wow. So now they said, We see Hashem is equal, like we learned earlier, we learned yesterday. The, the honor you have to give your parents is equal to the honor you have to give Hashem. You have to treat your parents like God. And the penalty for cursing your parents is the same. The, the harshest penalty is the same as if you curse God. You get stoned. So Hashem equaled his honor with the honor of God. So you see Hashem, oh, he's not just looking out for himself. Hashem is sharing his honor with the mother and the father. So when he said, now they agreed, 
they thanked Hashem not only for honoring your parents, even for the first two commandments of the tenth, because they realized that, that it's real, that, that all that exists is Hashem, and, and that you shouldn't worship any other idols. That's why it says, Imre Picha. They, they admitted to Hashem, Imre Picha, all of the commandments, and in the plural, three of the commandments. Now, this also explains how you're allowed to honor your parents. Why is, what's the difference between idolatry and, and parents? Just like you're not allowed to worship an angel, even though Hashem creates the angels, right? Because Hashem is the only ruler. He can't, Hashem doesn't delegate. All there is is Hashem. You're only allowed to show respect to Hashem. You can't pay attention to any angel. Hashem doesn't have ministers like a king has ministers. You have to respect the ministers. The only one you pay respect to is Hashem himself. So why, why are you respecting a human being, a father and a mother? What's the difference between that and worship and the angels? The answer is because the father and the mother have freedom of choice. They chose to get married. They chose to have children. They brought, but they had a choice. But they had a choice. Angels don't have a choice. Angels are like a tool in the hands of Hashem. The axe. Of course, you're not gonna you're not gonna praise the axe. It has no choice. It's not like a minister that has a choice. But parents are like they do have a choice. So they are partners with Hashem and creation. That's what you have to respect. Yeah. Learned yesterday that it's a partnership. So who, who's the who's the majority shareholder? Hashem is the majority shareholder because he was also the partner in the creation of the mother and the father. <laughs> So if you add if you add Hashem's partnership in the mother and the father and, and in, the, in, in this new trial, Hashem is the majority shareholder. Rava, Rava says, We learn it from here that the nations of the world thanked Hashem and admitted to the first two commandments. The beginning of your words are true. Only the beginning of Hashem's words are emes, and not the the, the, the last word. From the end of your words, that retroactively affirms that the beginning of the words are correct. The students of the shiva asked Rabul. How far does it go? To what extent do you have to honor your parents? Amalem Rabul answer to go think, reflect. Look what happened with this guy, Dama ben Sinushmoy from Ashkele. Once they were they the Chachamim proposed a business deal. And they were ready to pay 600,000 gold, gold, yes, golden, go- golden coins for the red heifer. <laughs> they were going to buy a stone. Right, Hashem rewarded them with giving them the red heifers. They were going to buy a stone. It was worth, and they were ready to pay. And it was underneath underneath the pillow of his father, his father's head, he was sleeping. And he wouldn't wake him up, even though he was going to lose a business deal. No one else would pay so much for the stone. He had so much respect for his, for, for his father. To that extent, 600,000 gold coins would be the profit. The profit, not the, the profit. A business deal. 
of the same story. They were looking for stones for the aphid, for the apron of the high priest. And the reward would be, the profit would be 600,000 golden coins. No, 800,000 golden coins. That would be the profit. And the key... The key for the box was under the head of the father and he was asleep. Let's see, he wouldn't wake him up. Shana Acher is the next year. What was his reward? That Hashem gave him a paraduma, a red heifer, and he lost the deal, right? I know. And if I would ask for any money in the world, you would pay for it. Because you can't find a red heifer and you must have it. Just pay me the money that I lost from the previous deal. So pay me the 600,000 or the, or the 800,000. Now it's interesting. The Chatzke Rebbe says, why was this the reward? Why was this the reward, the red heifer? Hashem could have made him whole many ways. Many ways he could have done a great business deal. What does it have to be the same? The rabbis coming back, a red heifer. He said because it was a big accusation in heaven against the Jewish people. We have a Ten Commandments on the parents. The goyim is not even their mitzvah. It's not even part of the seven Noahide laws. It's just in general, you have to be civilized and you should be grateful and thankful to your parents who raise you. But the mitzvah of Kibbutz Abayim, they don't have that. And you, know, and you have to be in awe of your father. They don't have all these mitzvahs. So it was a big accusation against the Jewish people. Because we don't respect our parents the way this guy did. So Hashem gave him a red heifer to show that the Jewish people are so devoted to Hashem that they're ready to pay 600,000 golden coins or 800,000 just to do a mitzvah that makes no sense. That's completely logical. The red heifer. So this was, a, this was the answer, the antidote to say something good about the Jewish people. Okay, What's unique and special about the Jewish people? A guy who is not obligated, is not commandment, and look how, how much he was rewarded for respecting his parents. So, so then, the Jewish people are commanded, how much more so? Someone who's commanded and does it is much receives a much greater reward because it's much more difficult. If you're not commanded to do something, it's no big deal. The Yitzhara doesn't try to stop you, but if you're commanded to do something and so much is at stake, the Yitzhara goes out of its way, so therefore the reward is so much greater. In the beginning, before I knew Rabbi Hanina's statement, I mean, I would think, whoever would tell me, the law follows Rabbi an argument in Rabbi Huda and the rabbis whether a blind person is obligated to do mitzvahs. Rabbi Yosef became blind. So Rabbi Huda says, so therefore in the beginning I thought, whoever is going to tell me the law follows Rabbi Huda, that if you're blind, you're exempt from mitzvahs, I would praise him. Because then, then it, I thought that if you're not commanded to do something and you do it, it's much more praiseworthy. You get a greater reward. 
Let him make a party for the rabbis. Because I'm not obligated, I'm not commanded. Nevertheless, I'm doing mitzvahs. Now that I heard Rabbi Hanina says... It's the exact opposite. It's counterintuitive. But the one who's commanded and does it is a greater reward because it's much more difficult. So how did that happen? Now, I'm, now on the opposite. The exact opposite. Whoever tells me the law does not follow Rabbi Yehud, that a blind person is obligated in all the mitzvahs, then I would make a party for the rabbis. I would rather I should be obligated and I'm doing it because of an obligation than I'm voluntarily doing the mitzvah. He says the expression, whoever is going to tell me the law does not follow Rabbi Yudha. It's not. It's a simple thing, the law does not follow Rabbi Yudha. Because all the rabbis disagree with Rabbi Yudha. A blind person is equally obligated in all the mitzvah. But he meant to say the, the opposite. That if Shom would have told him, that the, for somehow the law follows Rabbi Yehud in the beginning, he would make a party. He would be very excited to hear that. But now he's happy that the law does not follow Rabbi Yehud. We came from Israel to Babylonia. Amari said, Pamacha, say, lovers, consoles up once, Dumb and This guy from Ashkelon was wearing a silk garment which was, which was woven. With uh, with golden golden with golden uh, threads, but Yeshua being Dalei was sitting amongst the greats of Rome. and his mother came and she tore it off him. She embarrassed him, humiliated him in public, in front of all the noblemen of Rome. and she hit him on the head. She spit in front of in front of his face, and he didn't embarrass her back. He was so respectful to his parents. Obviously, she was a little mashuga, and she humiliated him in public. He didn't get angry. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he, didn't he respected her. Continued to respect her. That, to that extent, he had such honor for his parents. It's possible for a son to feed his father. Pisyoni is expensive bird. You know, expensive like slav. And nevertheless, nevertheless, he he causes himself to be removed from the world. He gets punished. And yes, matchinoi, and there's a son. Who makes his father work hard to grind, but in the mill, and we continue inside. And this this brings the son to the world to come because it all depends on your attitude. I could feed my father, give him the best, but I treat him like dirt, disrespectful. So then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm taking care of him, I'm giving him a nice house, a nice car, but if you disrespect him. You, you lose, you're lost from this world, you get punished. Versus a per- person who's poor, and he makes his father help him out to grind the, the, the kernels, the wheat, to make some bread, but he treats him gently and respectfully. Then he gets a share in the world to come. For example, my son Avimi. He fulfills the mitzvah of honoring your parents properly. 
Chamsha Bnei Samcha Avimi Bchai Avimi had five sons who all got smicha. All got smicha in his lifetime. We're all knowledgeable and learned, and nevertheless, would come to his son's house, and he would call out by the gate. Savimi himself He wouldn't allow his children, even though his children knew that there's a they should honor their grandfather. Instead of them running out, he wouldn't even give them a chance for them to run out and to open the door. He himself would run and open the door for his father. Amar and he would say, "In, in, yes, yes, I'm opening, I'm coming to open." So to let his father know that he heard, he heard him. Until until he reached the door, he would say, "Yes, yes." So his father would hear. One day, asked his son, "Please give me some water to drink." Until he brought him the water, Nimnim fell asleep. Gochin Avimi bent down. He waited patiently until he woke up. So he should be ready. The moment he noticed that he woke up, he should be ready to, to, to give him the water. Because of this merit, he merited. Psalm 79. Right. He was able. Yeah, he was able, he was able, 79, he was able to expound. Hashem opened his eyes, illuminated his eyes. And he was able to answer, to answer and to explain that the capital Tashi says that what he expounded was, because it says Mizmer of a song for us. It should have said a lamentation for us. Because he's describing how Jerusalem was destroyed. So why, why are you singing? It should be a lamentation. But this, so, so Avimi explained, Hashem illuminated him and he understood that it's really a, a song because really Hashem poured his wrath on the stones instead of pouring his wrath out on the Jewish people. And then there wouldn't have been anything left of the Jewish people. Hashem speared the Jewish people. Instead, poured his wrath out on the house, in the building. So that's the song. Yeah. Another explanation yeah, is another explanation is that the the joy was was Asaf was a grandchild of Kaira. So he was worried how you know, and Avim is the one who expounded it because of the merit of honoring honoring his parents. So Asaf was worried about his great great ancestor Kaira. How will Korah, or the sons of Korah, who were swallowed up in the earth, how are they going to be saved? But once the 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 uh, gates of the temple were swallowed up in the earth, so they will be saved. So with them, also Korah and his sons will also be saved. And that's and that's he gives a parable. There's a maid once dropped her um, her pail, her earthenware pail, fell into the well. I'm never going to get it. But then the maid of the king came. And she has a golden pail. And that fell into the well. She started rejoicing. 
Says so now they're not going to leave the golden pail in the well. They're going to find a way to get. They're going to climb down into the well and retrieve the golden pail. Once they retrieve the golden pail, they'll, they'll already retrieve my pail as well. So she started singing and dancing. So too, once the base of Migdash, the gates of the base of Migdash were 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 sunk into the ground. Now he started rejoicing because now they will be saved, and together with them, my great grandparents will also be saved. Korach and his sons. Okay. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi For example, someone like me, I love my parents. When I come back from the from the house of study, Abba madly calls. My father gives me a cup. And um, and my mother mixes it together. My question is, should I receive it from them? Am I using them? I have to serve them, and here they're serving me. Am I allowed my allowed to allow my parents to serve me? responded. He says, Yeah, halachically you could. Because they're doing it willingly. But in your case, from your mother you should receive, but not from your father. Since he's a Torah scholar, he's going he's gonna to feel bad, because he's also a Torah scholar. Besides being your father, he's also a Torah scholar. Here you're using him, you're allowing him to be used even though a father and a teacher could forgive their honor, that means you're not obligated to respect them. But if you want to respect them, so yeah, they can forgive their honor, but for them to honor you, and they're going to mind, like if he's a Torah scholar, then, then you're not allowed to. But what if they insist? If they insist, they're trying to say, yeah, because that is their honor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mother says, Tarfan had an elderly mother. Every time she had to climb onto her bed, he would bend down and she would climb on top of him and then get into as a, a footstool to get onto the bed. Every time he had to get off the bed also, first he would place her legs, her feet on him, and then he would bend down and then lower herself to the ground. He came and she praised him from the house of study. Look how... How much my son honors, fulfills the mitzvah of honoring your parents. Amrulay, they said to him, He didn't even reach even half. Did he, did, did you, did your mother? I'm sorry, he himself was praising himself. He says, yeah, telling his telling fellow students. So he said, did your mother ever throw away your wallet full of money into the sea and you wouldn't embarrass her? Yeah, you could, you could bring her to a court of law. Your mother doesn't have a right to damage you, to hurt you. But you don't have a right to, to insult her, to get angry at her, and to insult her, and to yell at her. He says, would you do that? If she took a whole bag full of gold coins, your gold, and threw it into the river and was lost. 
You wouldn't embarrass her? The mother said, Rabbi Yisrael, we have a shaman called Kaladim, may Rabbi Yisrael, when he heard the footsteps of his mother, he would stand up. Stand up in front of the Shechina that's coming. Like we learned yesterday, whoever honors his mother and his father, Hashem says, as if I'm living there and you're honoring me. So you're causing, by honoring your parents, you're causing Hashem, you're causing the Shechina. Fortune is the one who never saw his parents because it's very hard to honor them properly. So, fortune is the one who doesn't, is not, is not tested. Nabi was speaking about himself. When his mother was pregnant with him, his father died. And the oldest, when he was born, his mother died in, in childbirth. In labor. Abaya also they never saw his parents. It's not so. Abaya says, Many times you say, My mother taught me. Mother says, He might have been. She raised him. So he called him mother. Like a euphemism. But it wasn't his real biological mother. He didn't see, he lost his parents. Both of his parents. Ravasi had an elderly mother. She said, I want I want jewelry. She fulfilled her request. Then she says, I want to marry. Find me a husband. Ravasi says, I'm going to look for you. She says, no, being a shopping of I don't want just a regular husband. I want a husband as good as you, as beautiful as you, and nice as you. Ravasi saw that she lost her mind. You know, elderly mother, and she wants to marry a young, uh, a young guy. Which young guy is going to marry handsome, strapping, young guy with a whole life ahead of him is going to marry an elderly, elderly woman? He left her and he went to the land of Israel. After he came to the land of Israel, Shammai heard the Gazal Abbas. His mother followed him. <laughs> she heard his son left. She followed him. Also, come to Rabbi Yechna. Abbas came for Rabbi Yechna. Am alei malot is married to Chutzlot. Am I allowed to leave Israel and go to Chutzlot? I want to get away from her. Am alei Rabbi Yechna said to Rabbi Also, it's prohibited. Then he asked Likras Imamau. Should I honor her in order to receive my mother in general? He says, you're allowed to leave the land of Israel? He says, no, you're not allowed to leave the land of Israel. What if I'm leaving the land of Israel to welcome my mother? Am I allowed to? I'm Malay, any of that? I don't know. It's reported. Ravasi waited a little while there also. Then he came back for Rabbi Echen and he asked, Am I allowed to? I'm a lay. says, I understand that you really want to go. You want to go back to Babylonia? Hashem should return you in peace. And he said, he asked, Maybe Rabbi Yechon is angry at me. I asked him twice. I'm nudging him. I want to go, go to out, leave Israel. What did he tell you? 
He blessed you, he's not angry. In the meanwhile, before Rabasi had a chance to go leave Israel and go back to Babylonia to, to, to be with his mother, he heard she passed away. On the way, she was heading from Babylonia to Israel. She passed away on the way, and they were bringing the coffin to the land of Israel. So Rabasi was very upset. Omar, he said, Yadi, if I knew. If I knew before I left, that he left, and then he heard that she passed away on the way. So if I would have known that she already passed away, I'm just going to meet her coffin, I would never have left Israel. You're obligated to honor your parents while they're alive and after their life. So if you're allowed to leave the land of Israel to show you respect to honor your parents while they're alive, why aren't you allowed to honor them after their death? And that also enables you to leave the land of Israel. He says, no, leaving the, the prohibition of leaving the land of Israel is not over, is only overridden to honor your living parents. Not, not once they die. No, there is no difference. But here, in this case, they were bringing the Ark anyway to Israel. So what was the point? Leaving the land of Israel. So you can meet the Ark in, in the road, in the middle of the way. That's not honor. They're not alive. They are. If she's coming and she's alive, you're showing respect. You're going to greet her. You're coming to, to enter with her and to bring her into the land. But to meet the coffin, what's the great honor of meeting a coffin? Wait till the coffin gets to you. The rabbis learn You have to honor your parents Both when they're alive And even after they pass away How do you honor them when they're alive When he asks When he asks something From the locals And he knows that the locals Honor his father's parents He shouldn't say Don't do it for my sake or hasten because of my sake even if they know they're going to listen Allah should say do it for my father's sake honor your parents because of your parents how do you honor them after they pass away don't say this is what my father said but should say, this is what my father, I am a, an atonement for, for his passing. Anything that's supposed to, any punishment that's supposed to happen to him in the afterlife, I take upon myself. When do we say this? Only when do you say, Within the first 12 months of his passing. Because after 12 months, he already received this punishment. By saying I should be an atonement for him, you're saying he's still being punished after 12 months. Even the Russia is only punished for 12 months. So you're not honoring them by saying, <laughs> I'm going to be an atonement. So that's why after 12 months you say, His memory is for a blessing, for the eternal, for the eternal life. And the rabbis learn, 
Chacham who is expounding for the public. The, the wise one whispers into his ear and he then goes ahead and teaches it, transmits it to the whole congregation. Changes the name of his father and the name of his teacher. In other words, if he's quoting, if the rabbi is quoting his father, the, the interpreter, the, uh, the one who's communicating out loud to the whole community, He's quoting his father. He shouldn't just repeat the words of the of the rabbi and say his father's name or his teacher's name. He's not allowed to say his father's name. He should say, "This is this is what my father, my master said, or this is what my teacher, my master said." I'm sorry, just the opposite. The rabbi, when the rabbi is repeating, is saying something in the name of his father. He doesn't say his father's name, but the turgeman, who's he's not his father. It's the rabbi's father. So when he, when he communicates it and he gives it over, he can mention their full name because it's not his teacher and it's not his, his father. He's allowed to say the name. The rabbi can't say the name. He's allowed to say the name. Which father? If you're saying the father of the Turgman, interpreter... He's allowed to say his father's name. No, shame of The rabbi is saying something in the name of his father and the name of his teachers. He's not allowed to mention their name. He just says, My father said, my teacher said, my master. Like in the case of Marbaravashi. I have a daughter with Pirke. When he would expound, teach with Pirke at the time when everyone gathered to learn, to learn the laws, and he would say his father's name, Ravashi Amar. He would say Kacham Rabba Mari. He would say this is what my father, my master said. He wouldn't say this is what Ravashi says. Son can't say his father's name. But the Metargeman would say Amar would say Hacham Ravashi. This is what Ravashi says. Gemara, this is the Rabbi. The Rabbi says, "Hey, how do you honor? How do you express your being in awe and fearing, fearing your parents?" And how do you respect them? You're not allowed to stand in their place, the designated place. You can't sit in his designated seat. You can't argue with him. When there's an argument between the father and someone else. You can't weigh in that I think the other one is right. But that's only if it's in front of the father. If it's not in front of the father, you're allowed to. Kibu, how do you respect them? Michael and Mashke, you have to feed them. Malbit, you have to clothe them. Umachasa, you have to cover them. Machnes and Moitzi, you have to help them, take care of them. To be continued, everyone have a wonderful day.